Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. So school has officially started. Yay. Our kids are in in-person learning. Thank you, Lord. I am a little... I, the first day I was a little depressed. Why? I don't know. It just was. They are gone. I was super happy when I it dropped like, them off. Mama bird, they're gone. Let uh, me tell you this, though. Six months with them got you a little... Meh. I had to drive to drop something off at our sailboat. Mm-hmm. I've never... This whole, kids are going to learn remotely. I've never seen so many middle school and high school age kids in the middle of the road while I'm trying to drive. Because our marina is like in a neighborhood setting. We're the only school that started. Yeah, but they're supposed to be learning. No, they no, haven't no. even started virtual yet. No, they don't start till after. They don't start till after Labor Day. Then why were they all out like it was... Summer. Mm-mm. We've driven in the neighborhood a number of times and on this day, they were all out. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duel with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation. I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Hey, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hello, everyone. So, today we're going to talk about what? Stock market. Okay, that was a little bit over-encompassing. We're going to talk about where the major indexes are right now. And that right. may not sound entertaining, but it might surprise you to find out how much of the gains come from just a few companies. Right. And what to watch out for. And I'm going to apologize up front. This whole waking up like a half an hour, 45 minutes earlier than I normally do is slowly kicking my butt. <laughs> what do you mean slowly? First day, you were crawling out like a like Forrest Gump in Vietnam. Just going, Baba! Says the guy who was... Still in bed at 7.30 when I left with the children. You know what? I've got a very understanding employer. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. So I got to talk about masks. Not are they good or are they bad, but I got a few funny things to share with you. Yeah. First, like I said, our kids just went back to school. In-person mm-hmm. learning. I'm disappointed with our oldest. Why? Actually, let me back up. I'll come back to that. We haven't gotten a phone call yet. It's day three. I know. All right. <laughs> best, best start of the year ever. So, I asked today our middle child. I said, "So, how school? Do you like your teachers and all that?" She kind of looked at me weird, and then I go, "You know what? How do you even know who your teacher is? They're all in masks." Which, of course, she laughed. Then <laughs> I know who my teacher is, Dad. 
So I pulled up to a convenience store the other day. Mm-hmm. This is the day that I was going through that neighborhood by the by the boat, and a lot of kids that were virtually learning, but not virtually Again, learning. Again, public say, schools haven't started yet. I, I'm not conceding to that fact. Okay. So I get to the store. I pull in like any other day. And this guy gets out of his car, and he, he just, I don't know, he's a bigger guy. The car was a little frumpy, dumpy, dilapidated, rusty, humpty, whatever. Are we judgmental? No. Nope, no, and no. But he's just a little gruff, okay? Okay. And he goes into the car, and he, er, into the store, and he just, he's got like an aggressive walk to him. And he puts on a mask, and I'm like, dude's going to rob the place. Not funny. Dead serious. In my mind, that's what I thought. We've been wearing masks for like three months now. I know. But in my mind, put on a mask. I'm like, oh, he's robbing the place. Right. And then I'm like, oh, mask. That's right. You didn't have one, did you? No, I did. Oh, good for you. But I don't know why. My first reaction with this person was, oh. What kind of a mask was it? I I don't even remember. I I just remember. Like, uh, was it like the surgical across the face or the full head sock over the head? No, I mean, he wasn't doing the I'm going skiing in Aspen look. Well. But. I guess he could have. He could have. Very odd in the bank. People with their masks on and whatever. It would be. Well, so that reminds, that brings me back to our oldest, why I'm disappointed in him. So you got to wear a mask in school, whatever. And a couple years ago for Christmas, we bought him a snorkel. Now, when I say snorkel, you're listening. You're probably thinking of these goggles with the little tube thingy. No, no, no. It's a full-on mask, like forehead to chin, oval, looking like an egg, clear, um, like skylight-looking glass. Right. There's no disconnect between the quote-unquote goggles and the snorkel, it's all one full face mask. Yeah, so from chin to, or from forehead to chin, it's all glass. And then it goes around the face to the sides, almost to the ear, just one big lens. And then it's got a gasket and then the snorkels on the top. He looks like one of those, that cartoon character in the 80s. I was born at the end of the 80s. I got nothing. I don't know. I'll, I'll find it later. But so I said, dude, wear this to school. It's a mask. And he looked at me like, can I? Are you sure? And I'm like, this would be great. I was this close to getting him to do it. And what's he do? He No, dad. He didn't. No. I think if I would have thrown money into the equation. He's almost 13. Good luck with that. Yeah. But there's three kids in his class. It's not really like he's got to worry about impressing the, you know, the girls. There aren't any. <laughs> yeah. If, he, if he's worried about impressing the girls, that's his teacher. Right. <laughs> and then we've got a problem. I know. I keep telling him, and he gets more and more frustrated when I say this, that his class should be graded on a curve. Right, because there's only three of them. So <laughs> One A, one C, and you failed. Right. All right. Anyway. But stock that, market. Hold on. That would have been funny. If he walked in with his mask? Yes. The snorkel gear. It would have, but then we would have gotten a phone call. I have a chemistry teacher I found out, which is what partially made me think of this. Mm-hmm. The guy was a brilliant man, but a weird guy. Part well, of Mensa. Usually chemists are kind of weird. Yeah. And I can say that because my uncle was one, okay? Not being <laughs> judgmental. They just are. So he lives in Florida somewhere. He's been walking around with a welder's mask. <laughs> That's actually funny. I think it's funny too. It works. All right. So here we go. We've got the major market indices. 
the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, both at all-time highs right now. Mm-hmm. We've got the Dow Jones at almost all-time highs. Right. So they've rebounded fairly well since March. And we've told you why already. And in case you haven't listened, let me I'm going to make it very simple, very quick. Then we'll take a break. Then we'll come back to this. Because I want to talk about the proportion of these indices that the gains have fallen within just a few companies. Mm-hmm. That the bulk of these, you may not know this, but the bulk of these indices, the companies are at a loss yet. Right. Yeah, a few are doing so well that it's lifting things, but it's creating some turbulent times and it's creating a risk that's not being talked a lot about. Right, and it's almost creating a false sense of security. Absolutely false sense of security. So here's what's going on. Why does everything come back? Well, we put five, or why did it come back so quickly? We put five trillion, with a T, trillion dollars into the market. Lots and lots of money. There's an intimidating... um, uh, there's an intimidating concept in economics called the money multiplier. Now it's very easy, and I get it. When when the stimulus happened, people didn't get ten grand, but I'm just going to use it this way because it's an easy number. I know I've right. done it before, so I'm going to go quick. When you got your stimulus check, it wasn't this much, but imagine you got ten grand. Fantastic. Now that ten grand, poof, went right into your bank, right? Yep. What did the bank do with it? Does the bank put it in the vault? Do they go get $10,000 from somewhere and put it in the vault? No. What do they do? How do they make money? Bonds. Bonds. They lend it out, right? Right. That's the bulk of it. And so... Car loans. Yeah, exactly. So let's say, you you know, you got 10 grand in your bank. So I go to the... We go to the same bank and I go, I want to buy a car. So they give me nine grand. They loan out 90%. The reserve requirement in the US is 10%. So they loan out 90%, nine grand. So I get a $9,000 check. I go buy a car from Bob over here. I give Bob my $9,000 check. I get the car. What's Bob do with the check? Puts it in the bank. And what does his bank do? They loan out. 10%. So then some Yahoo goes... For and, 90%. Then some Yahoo goes and buys a Sea-Doo for 8100 They go you know, buy the Sea-Doo. They get the Sea-Doo. They give some dude a check. This dude deposits a check. Now some lady gets a loan. It's Here's how it works. It's spend, deposit, loan. Spend, deposit, loan. It's spend, deposit, loan. It's all the same $10,000, but... Paper trail makes it look like way more. 90%, 90%, 90%, 90%, 90%. It's a multiplier. If I, if I go all the right. way to the end, it's a multiplier of 10. Yep. So when we did the $5 trillion of economic stimulus, those were new dollars. They weren't reallocated from somewhere. It's like we turned on the printing press. Right? Right. $5 trillion that didn't exist yesterday existed today. When you use the money multiplier, a multiplication of 10, that means we really, we increase the money supply. I'm oversimplifying, but it puts it in perspective. We increase the money supply then by $50 trillion. Right. The size of the U.S. economy is about $20 trillion. So when you ask, well, why is everything come back so quick? 50, I can give you 50 trillion reasons. Right. With a T. That's what has boosted everything. You remember the rich... I know it's football and we're not going to have it and blah, blah, blah. You remember... Real quick. Do you remember the Rich Rod era? Yes. Take out his first year. Horrible. The next two years, though, we had false sense of security, right? Right. Do you remember what would happen in the non-conference games? They won. They won them all. They spanked them. Yeah, we just mopped up the floor. Yeah. What happened when we got into Big Ten? Steamrolled. 
I think we won six games in the Big Ten in three years under Rich Rod. Yeah. Point is, that's what we're at now. It's this all this money put into there. We haven't played any competition. We're playing the non-conference schedule, and it's like we're playing a non-conference schedule, and they've allowed us to take steroids. Right. So we're like a varsity team on steroids playing the JV squad, and we're going to get into conference. And it's I'm made out of all freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get into conference play. We're going to get into Big Ten play. It doesn't mean we won't win. It just means we don't know yet. We haven't been tried. We haven't been tested. We played right. nobody. Right. And we'll see if the economy can catch up. But right now, these indices are, are giving us some warning signs. Let's go over those when we come back. Let's take a quick break. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com. Welcome back to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. All right, let's try that again like you give a darn. I do. Thank you. <laughs> you can join us on Twitter and tell Mike how rude he is. What? Sassy. You know there's people that will actually get on Twitter and go, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I know. You I, know what? I just like to see it. You know, you Social do that. Social media tips make me laugh. Oh, I don't know why. I hope people do that. You know what I'm going to do to get back at those people who do that to me? You're going to respond and say it's me. Nope. Oh, that's a good idea, though. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to just take like a five-minute video. No, that's too long. Five-second yeah, video. This is Twitter here. This like is not Facebook. A five-second video of you in the morning going... <laughs> if you've ever seen gremlins when they eat after midnight, that's like my wife when she doesn't... When No, just when she wakes up before eight. It's not true. Mm-hmm. But I would just like you all to picture somebody who's not a morning person waking up with somebody who's like the Energizer Bunny. Not a morning not person. Fun. You're, I think you're part, you're like anti-vampire. You're like the opposite of vampire. Vampires want to be in all darkness. You can't get up before there's even a speck of darkness. Like if there's, if the whole sky is not lit up, you're like, it's too early. Right. Which okay. makes cloudy days very uncomfortable. Oh, it does not. Anyway. <laughs> so I've got a story here, or an article. A story. We would be in for the long haul. That one Twitter follower would uh, get his wish at an hour <laughs> if you had a whole story, but we'll just keep it to one article. So do you want to read that article? Yes, I thought you were going to give the title, and then you went off track. But anyways, S&P 500's return to a record doesn't tell the full story of with 60% of stocks still at losses. So that's over half. Over half of the stocks are still at losses. Mm -hmm. um, I will read the key points to nice. keep it short. <laughs> Though the S&P 500 has hit a new all-time high and wiped out losses from the coronavirus sell-off. Why do they call it a sell-off? Because everyone's sold off. Oh, okay. <laughs> a CNBC analysis shows that <laughs> the majority... It's pretty self-explanatory. Shush. Again, why do they sleep call deprivation. The, why do they call this a yard sale? I don't know. It's in a yard and they're selling stuff. Sleep deprivation. CNBC analysis shows that the majority of stocks have yet to climb back to their prior levels. 
Uh, the next point is between the prior market high on February 19 and the new high on August 18, 38% of stocks in the index made gains while the remaining 62% posted losses. And performance did vary by sector with more than 50% of stocks in the consumer staples, healthcare, and information technology sectors gro- showing gains. But that figure is less than 10% for energy and utility stocks. So interesting. You know, I've talked about that. I thought energy was a good investment. But by the way, that was energy after it had gotten just pummeled, you know, and it's come back quite a bit. I, you know, I still like energy at this point. I, you know, when I look at oil, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that we're not going to consume oil again to the rate at which we previously did. Right. In fact, as we have an exodus from the cities, which we see, I, I saw something that New York City real estate market is the worst it's been since 9-11. Which would probably explain why our area is so increased. Like, we're selling houses like hotcakes. People are moving to areas like this. I mean, I think most of America, as we did the real estate show a few weeks ago, is seeing booming real estate. But some of the really concentrated, really dense urban areas, they're seeing an exodus. I think for two reasons. Number one, the millennials got a rude awakening when they thought this whole tiny home living, yeah, I can live in 32 square feet. But suddenly 32 square feet became the, the house, became school, and became the office. It got to be a bit small. Right. But so you have, you got that point. And then virus and, and wanting their room. So- you know, some of the polls I've seen or surveys is that they were going to move out anyway, say in two, three, four years. And right. that's just getting pushed forward. Right. Because they don't want to be in a highly populated area now. But they, you know, this whole remote working, you guys know my feeling on that. I, I think it's horrible and it, it's going to lead to the destruction of the average American worker at some point. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people will go back to work, right. uh, the physical, you know, work um, or physical location. Right, they'll actually have to go into the office. They won't be working from home. And, and that's going to translate into oil consumption again. But anyway, so I, you know, I, I don't necessarily see that energy still being a bad area to put some money. Right. But I'm looking at a, a scatter, uh, scatter graph here. Scatter plot? Scatter plot. I knew scatter graph wasn't right. But you know what? If I were to rename it, I would rename it scatter graph because scatter graph rolls off the tongue better. No, scatter plot. I like scatter graph. But okay. So I'm looking at this scatter graph here with the, uh, <laughs> what would this be? UNC blue on one side, Tar Heels blue, and Duke blue on the other? Yeah, actually, that's a pretty good description. There yeah. we go. And the left side is the negative losses. We Which got is the Tar Heels. We got, yeah, Tar Heels. We got negative Tar Heel losses over here, up to 70%. Mm-hmm. But you know what I find interesting? Look here, between 40, you know, break even, zero, and negative 40. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty even distribution. Right. Meaning if something is down, it's as just about as equally likely as being 0% down or almost 40. Right. Okay. So we have another article that you found mm-hmm. and that was titled what? The market's biggest stocks hold the largest share of the S&P 500 in 40 years as mega cap tech returns as well. So that's from Market Insider, mm-hmm. which is part of Business Insider. And I, you know, I'm not going to read all the the key points for you. I want to bring you down to the bottom here. Okay. 
this is something that caught my attention. And, and I was looking for some articles to illustrate some things that I, I've been sharing with clients because it's a little different. When I talk to people one-on-one, I can just say, hey, it's a longer conversation and I can kind of share with them more of this is, I don't have to say, well, according to this article, I can say, hey, I was watching a news source, right? Here's some things I've been hearing. Mm-hmm. But when we're on radio, we kind of have to say, well, here's what we think and here's why, right? We can't right. just say, well, I've been hearing this. Right. So in this article, uh, what was it called again? Market's biggest stocks hold the largest share of the S&P 540 years. Uh, market insider, this should raise some eyebrows. Even if the market's biggest tech stocks fell 10%, the bottom 100 stocks of the S&P 500 would need to rally 90% to make up for the drop. So this article is focusing on the top 10 stocks mm-hmm. inside the S&P 500. Yep. In other words, 2% of the companies inside the S&P 500. Right. Now make up, I think it said, oh, that was 40 years, 29% though. Am right. I right? Yeah. Comprised roughly 29% of the S&P 500 as of July 31st. Right. That's the biggest amount that those 10 have made up in 40 years. Right. But think about that. If the top 2% of the companies in the S&P 500 right now had a loss of 10%, right. the bottom 20% have to rally 90 percent right just to make up that drop which is why it's a false sense of security or put this a different way if the top two percent of these companies right the top 10 if they just stay flat going forward they don't go anywhere they stall if the bottom hundred were to go way up were to almost double in value mm-hmm that's not going to move the index. Right. That's not going to do anything. That much. It will some, but not that much. So I guess what I'm trying to share with you real quickly is that typically we say, well, you know, you're being diversified when you buy the S&P 500, when we buy a market index or indice. But right now, these indices are being comprised largely, not only of just tech, but a few companies. Right. So here's my recommendation right now. A few things. Number one, I would take some of the risk off the table. How would I do that? If it's in the 401k, I'd look for what's called a stable fund, a stable value. I would look for a fixed value or a fixed interest rate. Or I'd look for something called a short duration bond fund. The shorter the duration for bonds, the safer, the less volatile they are. Duration, again, I'm going to oversimplify because we don't have that much time. But duration means essentially if the value of the bond went down, how long do I have to hold it to where I'd break even by collecting the interest payments, the dividends? Okay. So if I get a $100 a year, okay, again, I'm, I'm making this far too simple, but for practical purposes, this works. If I got if I get a hundred dollars, if I get a thousand bucks in the thing and I get a hundred dollars a year in interest, that's way too high. But just right. so you get it, and the thing drops to seven hundred, my duration would be three years. Okay. Because I get seven hundred bucks, right? If I sell it, but I got three hundred dollars in interest. If so, fact so, boom, I got my thousand bucks back. Right. So the shorter the duration, the safer it is. And here's why I would do that. It reminds me. So when COVID hit, you and I got deemed non-essential. Apparently, people don't need glass. You know, and our governor 
She forgot some of us are millennials. We're pretty touchy. Pretty <laughs> sensitive. Kind of weak-minded. Again, I enjoyed it for about two weeks. Uh, I crawled up in a corner going, not essential, not essential. Okay, you not did essential. not. I was in the fetal position. Just going, make me essential. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not at all. All right. But we got to watch. We got to, hey, it was your ideal world. You got to wake up slowly. Kind of. I mean, we still had school obligations. You woke up slowly. I we did. watched some. We watched financial shows that we normally wouldn't have time to watch. We did. We watched a lot of house flipping shows too. That was fun. But the thing from the financial shows that got me was one of the things they asked every day to these different commentators they brought on was what? What are the opportunities right now? What? Where should people be putting their money? Where's a good buying opportunity? Here's the right. problem. When you got everything in equities, right? You got everything in the S&P 500 or you got it in blue chip stock growth or whatever it is, mutual fund that you picked inside that 401k. What money do you have to deploy when things do go bad? Not any. None. So what? Are you going to So when you lose 40% like everyone did at when COVID happened, who cares about these buying opportunities? You didn't have any money to put in it. Right. That's like, "Well, I'm going to sell cheap so I can buy cheap, Bob." Well, what good did that do? Right. I mean, I would assume there were other people like us that sat down and went, okay, if this continues longer than anticipated, which the first round was, what, two weeks? I don't remember. But longer than anticipated, what do we have that we can liquefy quickly? Yeah, but I'm just talking within the 401, within the IRA, you know, and the problem with that is that people are invested primarily, you know, we tell you, well, invest in these things, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, keep buying equities. Just keep buying whatever it may be. And so when they say, what's the buying opportunity? Everything, all the dollars you have just lost. Right. And we tell you, well, don't go safe because if you go safe, it's not going to make anything. I got to tell you, I think, first of all, we do something called dollar cost. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast through this because I know we're out of time. Right. We have something called dollar cost averaging, which means, and, and dollar cost averaging is just from when the market's going down. It's mm-hmm. to encourage you to keep um, purchasing. So you buy the first stock at 10, you buy the second at eight, your average cost is nine. It went down. So keep buying because your average cost is going down. Okay. But we know that for every day the market's down, there's two days that it's up. It's up two times more than it goes down. So when it's going up, if I buy my first share at 10, I buy my second share at 12, my average cost is 11. My average cost is going up. Right. Dollar cost averaging is horrible when the market's going up and it goes up two times for every time it goes down. Right. So it got me thinking, why do we buy equities first when we know that dollar cost averaging is working against me? It sounds pessimistic, but I wonder if it's because when I look at old, if I look at this industry for a long period of time, it was almost entirely commission-based. Right. And the commissions on equities, meaning stocks, I keep saying equities, that means stocks, stock mutual funds, the commissions on stock mutual funds were double that of bond mutual funds. Okay. Did that taint our opinion? Did that skew our advice to tell you, well, just keep nibbling away, just keep buying stock, these stock mutual funds, and never having anything on the side for these quote-unquote opportunistic plays, these opportunistic times? What if, and I'm gonna, I, and I'm gonna tell you, I think that I'll be able to prove this works out better. I haven't sat down and done it yet. I just haven't had time. I gotta tell you, I think it'd be better if instead of con- 
systematically contributing to equity mutual funds, stock mutual funds. Instead, we put into short duration bonds and we waited for predetermined downturns, maybe 15%, not 20, because 20 only happens typically about once a decade. But 15 happens on average more than once every two years. Okay. So what if we just put our money in safe every month? Boom. And then when it dips 10, 15, 20%, then it got reallocated into stock. I think that would outperform. And I wonder if we don't talk about that, not because it's mathematically inferior, but because mathematically that would have led to half the compensation for this industry at the very moment where it was growing the most in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Sure. I don't know. But we will. We'll dig into that. So this has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. Till next week, we are your hosts. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances with Michael and Vanessa Markey. Want to listen to past shows or get in touch with Michael or Vanessa? Head over to twitter.com slash fireproofshow or go to fireproofradio.net. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com.